Welcome to the fourth episode of the White Pew podcast. For this episode, we were thinking about this kind of question of uh, just funding. When we did our art degree, we learned what funding was in like the past, like the last few weeks of it. That's right, isn't it? Um, And it felt as though it was something that was kept from us. When we spoke to art students on different uh, courses, they never had a lesson about funding. And I think as we've kind of moved through the past five years of working in the arts, every little bit of information we've learned, we've tried to give back and post online and share because it feels as though a lot of the knowledge that um you know around things like how much people are paid uh how do you get an exhibition all the stuff that we probably should know and you would expect to be taught on an art course is just kept from you in a way that I don't think the equivalents in other industries are kept secret and it's suspicious. <laughs> I think as well it's quite like I, I don't I don't know if this was the same for you Gab but for me at least the the whole process of being an artist that like makes money from making art that was just a complete mystery to me I didn't know how they did it I thought they must like it's just like just ephemeral mysterious like so kind of bizarre and opaque to me that almost when I found out about the existence of public funding I was like oh Mm -hmm. it just made so much sense but I had no idea it was there Wizard of Oz moment that you, yeah. you see, you see what it all is. Our Wizard of Oz moment was with Anna Hart. Uh, at the very end of our course on fine art in Central St. Martins, after the degree show, very strangely, there were three workshops. One of them was on how to do your taxes by, by this by this like really flamboyant man in a like a purple suit or something if I can remember talking about how he did the taxes for like Peter Doig and all the and I was like I just this is going over my head the second workshop was on how to run workshops and it was by Alex Shady the head of the course and then the third was on funding and it wasn't as open as the others it was like of sign up of about 20 or 30 people in this little room tucked away behind the library and I managed to nab a spot I don't think you did Zarina did you yeah you did okay you nabbed a spot for us both I would love you you strong-armed me into that workshop I wasn't gonna go I was like funding what's that glad I went (laughs) But the workshop was led by Anna Hart, who is also on this call and who we're going to like try and pull as much knowledge from today so that everyone can kind of have the experience that we had. And yeah, so welcome, Anna. Hi, I'm glad I didn't have to do the tax workshop. (laughs) Um, It's funny because I really, I still, I was asked to do a version of that workshop online this summer again at CSM and I, I always feel like such a failure that that's what I'm asked to do. I'm like, what, I'm asked to do the funding workshop? Can I, like, is that, is that 
it just sounds so boring. And then when I do it, and like even when you asked me to do this call, when I started thinking about it, I was like, oh no, no, this is actually quite exciting because it's not about the funding, it's about work, it's about making really good work, it's about ideas, it's about artists who need to be out there, it's about what is publicness, it's about all lots of things. So yeah, yeah. I, like my heart slightly dropped when you first messaged and said, can we do a, what, what, what is it called? Podcast about funding. I was like, oh, is that all I am? And anyway, I'm really not an expert. I'm a bit of an imposter, but I think, I remember when you came to that workshop. Sorry, Zarina, I don't remember you being there, which sounds so weird, because how <laughs> ever not remember Zarina being in the room? But it was because Gabrielle came up to me after and said, could she have a job with her? And I was like, no, you're not interested in this work. Prove it to me. And she did. And she, it was just an amazing summer working together. So yeah, you know, who knows what can happen in a funding workshop? Anything. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so do you want to give an introduction to yourself and what you do? uh when you were talking about going to art school maybe one of the things i'm a bit of an outsider because i trained as an architect not as an artist and maybe that's a little bit of helpful in this in thinking about kind of how things develop because obviously as an architect you always work in a team of people you work with an engineer you work with a qs you work, you work with a client you work and it, even though i mean i have deep um issues with a lot of how how that profession works and, and 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 the ethics of how commissioning happens but there is this sense of a, a process of kind of an idea and development of something so i think i bring that in so i've trained as an architect i worked as an architect but i was always interested in this space kind of between buildings and the space of conversation with people and started working um, I guess in my early 20s with artists, with dancers, with musicians, particularly around um, unannounced work in public spaces or in the streets, mainly in London. Um, and about uh, 14 years ago, I ended up at Central St Martins, more specifically at the Byam Shore in Archway and founded um, with the late Alistair Warman um, a project called AIR which is now ongoing, we're now independent. And maybe the most important thing that we do, very small scale, we have no core funding, that might be something to talk about later, what core funding is, it's project by project funding, but essentially it's about supporting artists to make work more publicly, um, to really encourage conversations and kind of quite unexpected conversations between people to make work. Anyway, is that enough? Yeah, that's enough. So. Given that basis and all of your time spent working in those ways, um, what do you know about funding? Which I know is like the biggest question, but it was, again, it was just this word for us as students that we hadn't heard before. And what is it? So what is funding? I think there's a few key categories for artists to um, look at. So Arts Council England, if you're in England, Creative Scotland, Arts Council Wales. Sorry, I can't remember what it is, Northern Ireland. That's English, but I never applied for funding there. So these are our national public funding bodies and they have strategies. So in Arts Council England, it's called Let's Create. Um, 
where they are laying out the, what really matters to them right now. And I think it's very important for uh, English artists, feels funny to use that term, to look at the Developing Your Own Creative Practice Fund right now. For individuals, that might be, for a lot of your listeners, what's really relevant because the normal fund is three million quid a year and they put it up to 18 million quid for the next year. So I really want artists to get in there and this is about creating creative development. So it doesn't have to be about outputs. It doesn't have to be. Um, so we could come back and talk about that maybe in more detail, but that's a really important fund right now. But the Arts Council, generally you've got NPO, National Portfolio Funding, which is long-term organisational funding, core funding. So that means it funds buildings and salaries and um, that those, those overall organisational costs. Then you get project funding, which is how a small organisation like AIR um, tries to survive with. So that's project by project basis. And then you get individual fundings like the Develop Your Creative Practice. Um, Arts Council, it all goes, it's through a portal, an online application portal. People make a big deal about how difficult that is. I don't think get hung up on it. It's not actually. And all people like you doing great stuff about sharing, um, sharing applications. I think the most important thing is to talk to people when you're making a funding bid. Um, maybe that's another thing to come back to. Then you've got other public funders. So those in London, for example, sometimes Transport for London or the Mayor's Office um, might put out particular funding calls. These tend to be more uh, instrumentalised, so specific. So for example, for people suffering from um, mental health challenges or around particular age groups or, demogra or you know, demographics. Then there are what I would call public funders, they're getting more complex, but for example, we're funded by a housing association. Um, of course, housing associations are now also have to be developers, so that's where it starts to get a bit complicated, but they, those kind of public funders, often those will be through tenders, applications, or specific projects again. Then we've got trusts and foundations. So these are in the main where, well, I guess you could say where there's been a lot of money, normally an individual, sometimes a company, and it's been put into a trust and it is distributed sometimes many hundreds of years later, something like City Bridge Trust or others might be much more recent. Say I was reading about the Burberry Foundation and their funding. Um, some stuff with Marcus Rashford um, this week. So, you know, lots of more, obviously that's more fashion related. So that's where a company has put a certain amount of their profit to one side. Now, in America, this is a massive part of philanthropic funding and it's it's a kind of tax loop. I don't, it, it hasn't become that yet here. I hope it's not. Um, and that could be really relevant for, for a lot of artists uh, um, to look at. There's hundreds of them thousands maybe there are things like the henry moore foundation where a lot of people will apply to them for sculpture related projects and esme fairbairn 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 mm. i don't know how to say it uh, i know that they fund lots of different things but the art projects i know who have gone to them uh, the 
the applications have been for like business development uh, yeah no as me fairbound has project ones but they're large scale like they're, they're large scale mm. so yes i think it's worth saying these kind of funds it could be from 500 quid to 5 million um, yeah and that's where even with those sorts of organizations obviously there's a lot of ethical questions so the amazing work that nan golding's been doing around um against big pharma and the sackler family funding so you know another thing you might want to talk to, to ask more about is kind of the ethics so then you've got what i would call more generally sort of partnership working so, but basically you're so you're making work somewhere and someone else wants that to happen they're like oh yeah we'll help you by giving you maybe the site or you know our staff can help you but we could give you some cash as well so you know sometimes it kind of comes along with other stuff um so that would be partnership funding then Crowdfunding, we've never done. I think you've shown brilliantly through funding White Pube and, and Patreon and some of the things you've been doing more recently. Crowdfunding is amazing right now. I think it can be problematic around art where things cost more than they might appear to need and that can distract the conversation to be about money rather than the work. So I think that's... You, you've got to be make sure it's the right fit, not just for the very short term, but for the everyone involved for the longer term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's all my categories. Oh, do you know, it's so good to hear it broken up into categories like that. There's something really helpful about hearing it framed specifically in that way. Um, just because it's so mysterious at times and there are so many terms and like the, the language of it all, the specific vocabulary of funding applications isn't necessarily widely known information. Um, it can be quite specific vocab. Um, so just to like get some clarity on some of those, t- like some of that terminology, can you explain what match funding is? Well, let's- Define, I think match funding is really important because that people get confused about. Let's just do a couple of terms, match funding and in-kind support. So match funding is, um, I decide to ask the Arts Council for £10,000 to do a project and it's on the Packington Estate where we're working right now and Hyde have also want this to happen as well and they say right we'll give you £5,000 to do that so I now have match for both I have match actually in both directions I can say to Hyde Arts Council have got uh, are supporting this and I can go so you're matching the funding and if it's match funding generally people want to say it's cash match so it's actually someone putting money into your bank account to do that work so with project grants for the arts council the minimum they usually ask for is 10 percent match funding so say that ten thousand pound project they would expect you to have at least one thousand pound from somewhere else which works on a number of reasons because it might mean then that you actually only ask them for nine thousand and you've got this one thousand from somewhere else uh it also proves i think that you're a little bit savvy and you've got multiple partners that you can work with and if one funding falls through you've got some funding coming from somewhere else so obviously they're going to trust that you will be able to handle this amount of money coming in um and it also then works to try and get as high a percentage from somewhere else as possible for all those reasons because 
ultimately then you're asking the Arts Council for less. So my day job outside of the White Pube is I run a gallery that is project grant funded and I think I'm on the third consecutive successful application which is great um but I always aim to try and get 40% from other other sources and it's it seems like quite a daunting task I think but what I do is just break it down to get as little from as many people as possible so you know you go to a gallery and you say oh we want to fund this like uh, traineeship would you be able to give us 400 pounds I know it's not a lot and then for them because they're a national portfolio organization they say oh yeah that's fine uh, but I'm just doing that to a lot of people and it adds up so then the uh, expenditure and income pages on the Arts Council application look quite full and I think I think that's helped us out. Mm. I think you're right. It shows about um, a kind of commitment to the work, especially if we're talking about kind of quite public um, practices. But it also shows a kind of depth to the work that you're you're being very open about being in discussion with people about doing these things that might not apply for some artists um, work. And I think it's important to say at the moment, um, Arts Council is saying, we disregard, you don't really need match funding, but I did have a call with someone and I'm not completely convinced they mean that. I think they're a little bit, they are saying, we, you don't have to have match funding right now. And I think that is fair because a lot of our more regular sources might be saying we'll only fund emergency COVID work, which is quite right. Um, the other thing is that in the past when they said 10%, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think that was really meant. They wanted, if the project suited it, to be much more, 40%, maybe 50%. Yeah, um, definitely. And the other thing to say is that in something like develop your your um, creative practice, you don't need any match funding. So it's not always, it's not with every Arts Council fund. Yeah. Um, and then the other kind of funding, which is it connects very very strongly to match and in some contexts is counted as match is in-kind support so say for example someone says you can use our building free for a month then you say what would you normally charge someone and they would say oh we would normally charge 100 pounds a day so then you know that you've actually got x days times 100 and that's your in-kind support or uh, someone says oh actually i'll give you those materials at you know cost price that's in kind support you know that is you you've earned that support because of the, the whatever it is that your work is is offering um or the your your you could you know i guess sponsorship sort of starts to sit in that that's funny I never think about sponsorship. yeah and on the uh income page of your arts council application just i feel like we should use that because it's probably the most okay. yeah. visible and um you know if you can learn and get your head around that it's very applicable to all other funded applications but when you put in uh, line by line the income that you've got you can check a category next to it so some of it will be private income some will be from local authorities and there is an in-kind support tag as well so you can put those days in or that value um you know like as a number and it all adds up and it it really inflates how big the project looks, which I think is helpful when, yeah, you're trying to look like you've got your shit together. 
Yeah, although I am going to put just one note of caution there, because a couple of years ago, I had some feedback from Arts Council that they were finding that people were inflating it too much and just putting in any kind of in-kind support point that actually they... So, yes, but don't just put in your your mum's lending you her camera and therefore that's in-kind support. No, 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 they don't want to hear that. They want to hear where you've built up these conversations and partnerships and people are saying, I want to be part of this work, this is great because you're showing on many different levels. And the other thing, of course, um, in, in all, all applications is to be entirely consistent. If you've mentioned something in the budget, then it should be mentioned in the proposal yeah. and the timeline. So if you, if you said, oh, wow, this organization is lending us this incredible technical studio or recording studio, but there's nothing in the work that makes it look in the proposal that the, you need one, then oh, everything starts to unravel. So if you say in the proposal that, you know, all these different galleries locally are going to help share the news of what you're doing, and then line by line, you get the, for example, day rate of social media managers or marketing departments, and you can list that, and it, it will, it, it's grounded in your proposal. Absolutely. And the thing is, what's great about, and this is where it becomes interesting, going through that process, is you learn about your work. You learn about your idea. Because you might have a conversation and you suddenly realize, well, actually, I'm not sure whether that is the right place for this work to sit. This is what really matters here. So by having these conversations, by filling in these forms that appear on one level to purely be about getting the money, actually, they're not. They're all part of developing the work. And I think that's when you start to feel something's really coming together it's been really great with the gallery as well because I think it's made me reach out to more people so when I was thinking about okay shall, shall I buy a printer or would it be better to go and strike up a conversation with a printers and there was one two roads away and we've we've now got like a really great relationship because they've given me base value for all of the printing that I do. And I'll only do gallery related printing with them. They recognize me when I walk in, they're interested in the exhibitions. We have a chat, they come and see the shows and I'm able to work out what the di the discount is to put that down as a value. And because the gallery that I run is so hyper local, it all just fits in with the project. It makes sense. And it's also in times of climate emergency, it's really important to show that you're thinking about all aspects of your work. So you're walking to the printers in, you know, local labor, local resources, social benefit of that. You know, how many people might come to the printers and they say, oh, have you been to the gallery around the corner? Exactly. Whereas if you were sending to a cheaper, maybe it would be even cheaper to send it to a fantastic printer in Germany. They're not going to send people to the gallery. So I think... Yeah, these kind of conversations of making it work on, on paper or in a, on a budget actually spill out into a much more expansive um, quality of, and, yeah, of, of, to the, of the work. So we've got match funding, in kind, and another word that might be worth defining is tender. Would you be able to explain that, please? Uh, oh, gosh, how do I define tender? So in procurement from so say in a local authority if they want a big bit of work doing there's a whole procurement process so this is what the government haven't been doing in around all these billions that have been spent with covid that have gone to dominic cummings best friends but 
that's slightly to one side, but there's a reason why we have these things in place is so that the people who are best placed to do the work properly, um, so say for example, we've done a, we're in our third year of working on a um, housing estate owned, run by Hyde Housing Association. And the first bit of work was, um, we, 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 we came to that work because they had put out a tender to deliver, if you like, an arts programme with the residents. So it's, it's a different kind of process. It's how bigger contracts work, like buildings. So say you want to, so, so someone wants to build a block of flats, they put it out to tender. Um, so I maybe it's a bit weird because sometimes I was filling in, say that one, and you're thinking, oh yeah, this has really been written for a 30 million pound project, not a 30 grand project. So, oh, sorry. So tender cam, it's, it's mainly would be in larger scale arts project, but don't be put off by it. It's just the organizations that that's the only way they can commission. In terms of filling it in, it's pretty much the same process. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna do it? When are you gonna do it? How much is it gonna cost? Those, those things are the same. So if you are an artist in 2020 and you know, you're working from home, you've lost income probably, and you would really just like money to be able to make work to be an artist, where do they go? What do they do? What do they bid for? They don't wanna do some grand project. They want money to be an artist. Develop your creative practice D, I always get the acronym wrong, DYCP, Arts Council, um, massive investment in it this year, that is widened, who can apply for it in terms of who an artist is, um, which is great, I think, to try and include more people whose incomes are kind of related to tech, um, whether in galleries or theatres. Um, it is a development fund, so you don't have to focus on outcomes and they will need to see how you're going to structure, if you like, that development. It's not okay just to say, oh, well, I want to sit at home in my bedroom and paint every day. Um, it needs to be, which I suppose I have some sympathy because how, I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to do, sit at home and or by yourself and paint every day. Mm -hmm. So you might think about, well, how can I support that time how can I support myself to develop and that might be around kind of peer um, groups it might be specific bits of training it might be about having coaching um, all of those things but I think that's a pretty exciting fund right now and if I was going to um, and I think you can also apply to it pretty much straight out of um, university now you used to have was it one year or three years in between anyway that I think it was three yeah so I think it acknowledges the difficulties of our time, but in a strange way also is possibly an opportunity. So, you know, back in the day, there was a lot more um, freedom and space around being on the dole and being a, a young artist. Um, and then maybe five years ago, I would say to someone, it might be, you know, is there, is there a job in a bar that can support you to be really free in making work? Whereas right now, obviously there isn't the job in the bar, um and it's it's very hard to you know in in the to get to get the benefits support 
So until we have a universal basic income, yes. I, know, yeah. I, I think you're really right to say when it's actually about making the work, it's not project specific. But as soon as you want to do something that involves other people and more collaborative or more larger scale, that's when it might be time to kind of keep your, your eye out. But I would recommend everyone to start just looking at these things, but not to, there's, there's two ways you approach it. You, you see a fund and you come up with a piece of work for that, or you have a piece of work or a body of work or a proce working process in mind, and then you find the right fund for it. Generally, I would say the second option is the one that I want to encourage people so that you're not creating work to fit someone else's criteria. You're finding criteria that fit the work that you want to do. That's how an artist develops best, by really um, you know, pushing on with 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 what matters to them so but very occasionally a funding call or a exhibition call does prompt a really great bit of thinking um yeah. getting to know where to look for these things getting to know the sort of shape of it um is really useful so it might be just once a month you have a memo in your in your diary or whatever that says oh spend a couple of hours looking at what funding's out there just kind of being familiar, just talking about it with other artists, being much more, we all have to be so much more generous about sharing these things because I often see something that is not, you know, applicable, relevant for us in that time, but I think, oh God, I wonder if so-and-so has seen that. So where do you see them? Arts Council have a mailing list, but I would once in a while also check the artsjobs.org.uk, is that right URL, which where, where people will post very specific calls and funding opportunities, residencies, things like that. Um, I think artist newsletter opportunities are a bit unwieldy to schlep through and you do have to be a member, but I would encourage um, artists to be a member of AN. Uh, I think that, um, Arts Admins eDigest is pretty good at throwing up things. I know for filmmakers, Lux do a really good um, list. Uh, I'm missing a couple of obvious ones, aren't I? So there are more and more. Some of the regional, I know that, um, what's the Southwest Artist Network called? Some of those regional Is groups. it the CVAN? Yeah, Contemporary Visual Artist Network, which have like different stations across the country. Uh, Holly Willits, incredibly generous practitioner at Artlix, in their news, new newsletter, they throw up some really good um, fun. It's not necessarily just funding bids, it might be calls for exhibitions, residencies and things. Obviously, you don't want to weigh yourself down with constantly getting lists in all the time with all these opportunities. And that's why I would encourage to actually kind of put them in a space and just look every now and then. This stuff doesn't need to take over because then it, it's really hard. I think it can be really distracting. You could set up a different email address and subscribe to all of these like mailing lists and then log in as and when you need to have that hour to look over stuff. And really know what your local area, so your local authority, your local city, there's a lot. So for example, we're doing um, some development work with an artist, it's partly in London, partly in Leeds and I've been, you know schlepping through some of the Leeds local funds and there's some amazing stuff happening really amazing and if you're if that is relevant to your work 
to connect with your local place in some way, then absolutely be aware um, of what, what not just the local authorities, but organisations locally are doing. So that might be your, your local borough might have a volunteer um, CVS, what does that stand for? But essentially, whoever organises things locally, just see if there are mailing lists around funding. Yeah. Um, and as I said, check them once in a while. That's true. So to bring it back to DYCP, uh, the Developing Your Creative Practice, there are three questions that you need to answer, and which is quite exciting, I think, for people who have write bids a lot, because with the project grants that you can spend literally weeks on, um, this is much lighter in comparison. The three questions, if people aren't aware, and just I'm going to read them out because maybe it will encourage people to to fill an application in, is uh, the first is, please tell us about yourself and your creative practice, which is quite straightforward. It's You don't have too much space to fill in. Then it asks, tell us about the developmental opportunity you want to undertake, what you hope to get out of it, and how you will go about it. And then finally, why is this important for your practice at this point and how will this help create future opportunities? So I just wanted to ask what you would suggest people put in the second question in particular, because I think when I've spoken to artists um, about this, that's the question that they get stumped on. They don't know what development they need or what what's the best way to go about it. I suppose if you were to ask yourself, where would I want to be? What would I, what would I want to have happen with my practice? Where would I want to be in 12 months time? Go to that place and say, what, what is it that I would like my art to be doing? Where would I like it to be being seen? What would I like to be doing that I'm not doing now? And, 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 and literally kind of stand in that place for a bit and then go, ah, how do I get here? And that will be very, very different things for different people. So it might be that, um, it might be that there's a particular technical thing that you've always got stumped on. You've always found editing this amazing, got lots and lots of material, film material, and you just can't put it together. Now, is it that you need a chance to learn some new bits of software or is it actually you would really like to work with a with an editor or an, and it might be another artist you've seen their work you want to understand maybe you want to talk to other artists how do they do this how do they approach um or it might be um that you've always wanted to make a performance with more people but you've never been able to afford to actually say can i you know to to eight bodies can you work with me in this or maybe that's the wrong thing to say in the middle of a COVID, but you know what I mean. Basically, what are the things that stop you being able to get to that space? It might be a question like, I don't really understand how to write about my work or to approach galleries. Well, how can I work that out? Do I need a mentor? Do I need a coach? Do I need to go and see some galleries? Do I need to, you know, some of those things might not cost money. Some of them will. Some of them will be your time. I, I'm I'd be really interested what what you both think about what percentage of say if you're applying for the whole ten grand is is artist fee. You know they don't make that quite clear, and I think it will vary a lot. 
I don't think it's about suddenly being really extravagant to buy loads of equipment if you can't show you know why you really need that why you wouldn't go to a, a shared resource locally to use their equipment so it could be about membership maybe you've always wanted to be maybe you're a ceramicist and you've always wanted to be a member of a community kiln so that you can buy bigger works but you haven't been able to afford that so i think it has to be really about you it has to be really honest if if it's not honest it's so easy to see through and it needs to come from what you've done. So there needs to be some kind of evidence that this is, this is where the opportunity is for you or the struggle is for you. It's not about what's love. What I think is important about those questions is they're saying, where are you now and where would you like to get to and how can we support you to do that? Yeah. And of course, it needs to address the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. pandemic. But it's not just about that. It's about before that, during that, after that. It's about, and it's not about trying to be an artist that you think they want because we need all types of artists it's about being really clear um about what matters to you what would you say what do you think it's is the answer to that question well i i was gonna also add which doesn't seem very covid uh appropriate but just the example of travel so if there is for example the art scene that I feel like me and Zarina have learned the most from which is probably different places in Norway it's they it, I'm fascinated by it still and I would love to go back and pick up on conversations that we started then that I only realized the relevance of now in terms of like uh different artists associations and you know there's a photography association and a sculpture and all these artists kind of have like a co-op that you know has at this point decades and decades of legacy behind them and different spaces that protect different art forms that's really interesting to me but for me if I was to put that in a development question and also the uh, the budget I would have to make sure that there were enough enough of an artist fee to cover my time to go there so I would split it down into days of how long you know I went there for four days, hypothetically, and then when I got back, I spent a further three days to write about it and to digest and maybe follow up and call people. And also, I would want to pay people for their time to speak to me. So I would put that in the bid and maybe I would work out my day rate based on what I always Google, which is artist union pay guidelines or uh, things oh an pay guidelines for 2020 because they give good day rates uh, and they break it down on how many years of experience you've got so it's sometimes uh, it's yeah, we need to be careful of that because it's not realistic it, I, I agree with you but but what, what I want to just point out is what you've just done was so interesting because I asked you about that question you immediately started talking about the budget so you've just shown exactly the process this is why I always prefer to do this work in like with direct examples is how, you know, the, the kind of idea and what's done and what the natural numbers be need to be worked out 100%. together. Cause I completely agree. Then you start to feel a sort of shape of it. The, I think that the question of like the pay guidelines has been really interesting to me because so about a month and a half ago, late one Friday night when I had too much energy, I set up, the successful funding application library which is a page on the white pube which I've wanted to do for so long and I think I almost forgot that I wanted to do it and then on that Friday I thought 
I've got nothing else to do. Uh, and I was up very late putting it all together. So it is what it sounds like. It's a list of different applications uh, from project grants to developing your creative practice. Things from the Eaton Fund where artists have asked for materials. There are some AN travel bursaries. There are now PhD excerpts when people applying for education funding. Um, there's some emergency COVID funding as well. And I've put the very first full project grant that I, I got for Output Gallery. So there are all these different things. And when the developing your creative practice window opened again, at that point, there was only one DYCP application on the page that people could look at. Uh, and I just side note to that, I've, I'm so grateful for everyone for submitting all of the all of this stuff, because I think it's the best way to learn to actually read the language. And, you know, in, in its own way, it's like a list of different funding bodies that you can approach. But people were tweeting us to say oh the artist has only given themselves a 50 pound day rate uh you know that's disgraceful like why would the arts council fund something like that and it's kind of i don't know it's it's, it's interesting i'm hung up on the final question from a project grant which says how have you worked out um the pay guidelines for this and what have you used to decide that and you have to you have to put something in so I always put in okay well I've used these pay guidelines on this website and fair you know fair freelancing ethics and stuff like that but it it's not consistent across anything so it's really hard to say but it doesn't if you say yeah well I've used that and you know I really, really, really care about artists being paid better and more fairly. But at the end of the day, what organisations, they all say they've used those frameworks to work out their fees. And then they've awarded a commission to an artist, which is like the equivalent of, let's say, 20 days work. And we all know it's 80 days work or 50 days work. Yep. And I'm not necessarily blaming the organisation itself in that, but those people who've written the bid often are on salaries. Now, none of us are on you know full-time salary so we can kind of bitch about that I just want to say something about your funding library yes I agree it's a really brilliant place to learn I think more radically it's potentially a space of change that if these things are literally outed not least how sometimes we need to frame things in a certain way for for a funder to get it across to that funder that actually that's not very you know trusting so I think there's a whole load of stuff that can happen when we start to share these things and um but yeah I think the funding Pete Corti who was is an amazing support of um artists he was a arts officer in Islington and we worked with him for a long time and he's now at arts council so I really you know it's fantastic when people like him are, are at the arts council promoting you know properly supporting artists whenever I used to send him um applications for feedback he's such a quick you know you do and he shoot through it and usually he'd say just all looks good increase the artist fee and that was always so great for someone outside to say make the artist fee more but it's hard because the kind of nut, nut, the amounts of money that are kind of seem to be um, what a project needs doesn't accommodate the real cost of making the art still. It doesn't. So it's great that Artists Union and AN and all these organisations are supporting better 
but day rates are not, I don't think they're the way to go. I think we have to be much more honest about what artists are working for as an annual salary because most of them are, you know, so many, too many are working for under minimum wage right now. So this is also the thing that I found really interesting about Norway and other other places have, you know, different approaches where you can apply to their arts council for a salary and you can get, I think, a from memory is like the equivalent of 26,000 euros a year um which in Oslo is as it doesn't it's not as good as it sounds because they make a lot more money (laughs) they've got oil money to back everything up um but that has been really interesting to me and then the Irish uh, structure where the organizations and galleries can't go for arts council funding um they can only go for like local authority funding the arts council funding is for artists it's for individuals and i think i've spoken before about this but i really wish that was what it was for us it would mean that like yeah it would be the devolved kind of structure that i think would make most sense because people in liverpool often complain um about the fact that the arts council's offices in the north or in Manchester and there, there are some I think in the northeast as well but in the northwest it's in Manchester and when these DYCP funds have come out and you can see the list of recipients like 90% of them are in Manchester <laughs> like might be like one or two in Liverpool like sprinkled in but it's crazy because everyone here is still applying for it it's just it's just apparently too far you know 40 minutes on a train they don't know we exist when I was thinking about this call, I was thinking, what is it that I want to, you know, some of the things that I would like to change. And one of those things is that Arts Council officers go out and see work again and that they know the people there, because I don't think we should be explaining work in those documents. I think we need a lot more knowledge in the Arts Council. And, and I don't know the logistics. They seem to have lots of people working for them who say they're really interested in the work. Well, they used to come and see it. They used to just come and see everything all the time. How amazing. And, you know, and yes, if it wasn't quite working, it wasn't like being spied on. It was like having a two-way exchange with your funder. I really believe in two-way conversations, understanding and learning from each other. So it's no fit in the office in Manchester if the work's in Liverpool. You've got to go to Liverpool. It's literally corrupt. Like, that is a rigged system, isn't it? Exactly. Corrupt. Maybe if if it was a local authority-led thing or you know it was maybe they would actually see it they'd be able to speak about it they'd know everybody's names as well they'd spend time in artist studios they'd reach out for like personal studio visits with people who aren't parts of larger networks like this is the stuff that just drives me mad because I think the you know the wider issue of like the most successful artists seem to be the ones who can make themselves most visible and there, it doesn't necessarily mean the stuff that they're making is good or interesting. And what most visible might mean might be irrelevant to really good work. So there would be yeah. a lot more. That's where the, I love that idea of just knowing people's names. Um, NPOs have, have, you know, what do they call relationship managers? I don't understand it. They don't bloody need one. It's, it's people who 
who aren't in contact, who need to be able to be able to ring up someone and say, what do you think? This is what we're trying to do. And you have to have a conversation with someone who knows absolutely nothing about your work and also hasn't researched it before the call. It's completely not a conversation. So that's my sort of, you know, in a way that connects to your, um, your bid library is, is that thing about just being a bit more open about who's doing what and kind of the exchange side of it, I think would really change how we can fund things. One of the words that you mentioned before was coaching. And I know that you do it. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, well, I got into it without really realizing myself and then found this incredible method to support anyone really but I'm interested in, in bringing it to artists and I'm part of a collective of three artist coaches called the Hour Collective. So what we do is we support artists to think. And when someone listens, actively listens to us think, we, we not only think more clearly, we think differently. It's an extraordinary process. So it's a very um, careful, person-centered process. We, we work with people for hour-long sessions, sometimes through video calls, sometimes you know, in person. And it's supporting people to work out what matters most to them and how to, but it's actually about looking forward. So you know, when I ask that question, or when, I, when, I, when you ask the question about how do you work out what your development is, in a way, that's what coaching, you know, often is supporting people. Sometimes people come with a very specific kind of sense of being a bit stuck or wanting to, you know, knowing where they want to get to, but not quite knowing how to get there. But the difference with coaching from any kind of mentoring or teaching process is that it's the coachee, so in our case, the artist, that knows best. We just support them to do the, the thinking how. Um, Whereas if I'm mentoring, I might be really bringing my knowledge. Oh, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? It's not about that. It's actually about the artists themselves finding their way. And we, we know ourselves best. We might avoid ourselves a lot. So I'm quite excited. Business world has known about coaching for years. And business coaches, do you know what? Some of them charge £2,000 an hour. <gasps> not interested in that we could go we could take our method so we were trained by um we were sponsored by artist newsletter a few years ago to train with this incredible woman debs barnard um and to really listen and you listen for what the next thought is rather than listening to how to reply and that creates a different space of thinking and so often artists say to me oh why didn't i think of that before it's come from within or, or I say, oh, that's such a good question. And I might gently said, well, you asked it. I've just reflected it back. You know, it's very, it's a complicated world and it's a thrilling world, but you know, it's very easy to avoid our own thoughts, isn't it? And to just bumble along. So it's, it's exciting. We want to support artists, I guess, to develop that for some reason, that sounds very formal now, but you know, to do, to do what they want to do and to be able to sometimes through coaching just to be able to leave some things to the side for now maybe and just to focus people talk about confidence a lot focus um you know what matters those type of things 
But what's exciting about the going back to the Arts Council and the EYCP fund is that, yes, it might be really relevant for an artist to say, actually, what I would like is a coach um, to support my my thinking so we often work with people over six months and we would just work with them once a month it's not it's not a, a crutch we're not helping someone we're supporting their thinking but it might be for someone else that they would really like to work with a mentor um so to have that kind of ongoing support i don't feel like in the past that's been very clearly spoken or kind of invited for artists to have that you know artists are often working on their own in isolation they're doing their own admin they're doing their own pr they're doing but and they're trying to make work and the whole thing you know now making your own website how to make one of the questions people often come to coaching artists come to coaching with is you know about kind of making things visible and knowing when when the right time is for that so in the past you might have had a gallery doing that for you um so there's a lot of kind of things to juggle. So it's about having kind of clarity of which bit to prioritize and focus on. Um, and the actually one thing about coaching is I, I don't need to know the, the artist's work at all. In fact, I make a real effort not to get to know the work. I'm not interested in the work, I'm interested in the thinking. It's a non-judgmental process. And it's when we don't judge our thoughts that we can really use them to move forward. Mm. back to dycp there's also access support so you can that might be for you know any kind of um let's say the example i've uh, had is i've supported people who have um some kind of dyslexia so that doing all these forms reporting is just really overwhelming or maybe part of that creative development is to apply for more things so that they want they but they need some support to do those applications so um it's really worth looking into access support access support gets a very very good review across the board from artists they especially the arts councils access support people just speak very highly so i think if you've got even if you're not sure whether it's appropriate for you it would probably be worth getting in touch with them to ask to see what to see what they can offer respond really quickly and, and it, what's interesting what I think is really good about it is you can be clear about what you need and the person who can do that for you it's not that there's a kind of set formal um, list of what access support is it's really up to you to define yeah. that I think that's yeah definitely important. definitely and you, so it's the you, you do offer so if someone is putting a DYCP application together they could come to the our collective um, and see whether it would be a good fit for them. Yeah, I would really encourage people. And that's kind of part of making a good application for any funding thing. It's like going back to when you said you go to talk to the printers, is have those conversations up front. Yes, it's a bit of investment of time, but actually whether you end up getting that funding or something else, it's going to be important to work to working out the best ways to, to go forward. So definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Zarina, have you learned so much about funding today? I have. I've got like, there's one last question in our shared doc and I really want to ask it because I... Go for it. And this is like, it's just throwing it out there. But um, in and amongst all this chat about funding applications and like how to write these very specific bids, there is also like a whole section of, whole sections of like, the arts landscape that is largely unfunded and funding is such a snag for so many people. I want to ask you, 
how do people make it work without funding? Like, is there a specific way, like a workaround, like a a knack, like that you know of, <laughs> in terms of like getting around having to write funding applications, basically? <laughs> well, one of the conventional, I guess, or tra- what's the word, traditional ways in the is being that there is other work that people do to support their space of artistic practice if and when that in itself earns an income. For some artists, it's quite important to keep their work completely out of any sense of having to sell or having to do funding bids, and I respect that. So people might teach, people might work in a bar, people might have a completely unrelated job. But so often, unfortunately, that just means there isn't space or time to make the work and develop the work. So what we would all care about is that for many people, there is less pressure on housing costs and you know economic survival so that they actually can get on and make work. Then there's other people who make work. I remember actually it was a tutorial situation and a, and a young artist really kind of, struggling with where their voice was in the world and and started talking about the retail store where they'd worked for years and I was able to say this is a space of making work this is a body of research was it was extraordinary how much actually that artist had to say about what was going on in the world through that experience you know four five six years of it oh hadn't made that connection. So I guess I'm not really answering the question, but there's something about our whole lives and how our whole lives come to an art practice. And that is what is different than, isn't it? Than, I don't know, people that have a nine to five job, which also comes back to the problem with the not having the salary. But I mean, yes, I, I think it would be really important if to, to shift things so that individual practitioners are supported to make work and the difficulty there comes with it not being about deliverables because sometimes we all know brilliant artists who are not good at filling in forms and might not appear to produce anything for years on end and then there's who was I listening to uh, um, someone on the booker shortlist seven years to write this book she wrote it like five times you know how incredible that perseverance that and how she learned how to do it during that. You want to take that time away from her? No, you want to take that struggle away from the, you know, she described it as learning the craft. So there is something about your question, which is about time, but then, but then support. And that's about being in conversation with people. I think that's where kind of people who are in studios and have convers- good conversation groups, peer support, coaching the kind of work that you do where you're encouraging people to talk to each other to 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 show work i mean those are the things that need to be supported as well because if you just had a whole lot of artists sitting at home not worrying about the rent they might be a little bit not sure why they're making work who for when Mm -hmm. yeah definitely how do you answer that question gabrielle because i don't think i did very well I think in terms of like individuals and funding your own like art practice for example um or writing practice whatever it is the realist in me is just like you've just got to kind of strike that balance between a job and then using what you get from that job in order to buy yourself time space a studio 
what materials you know everything that we were talking about in terms of that developing your creative practice fund you know you use it to buy your own development and keep your practice moving and keep keep making new things and thinking new things and yeah stretching all of that out um what I have seen over lockdown which has been really interesting to me and I, I know this started long before lockdown but I think it is fair to say it has exploded throughout is the amount of artists who set up their own shops online so whether they're using big cartel or um you know just setting stuff up on their own website with like a paypal link artists are now taking that into their own hands and like trying to market their practice a little bit more or commodify it in different ways so people are selling their own prints people are selling t-shirts and downloadable wallpaper packs and finally starting to like (laughs) chip away at um at this issue where a lot of artists like maybe maybe this podcast episode will fix it but like a lot of artists have not felt comfortable or knowledgeable enough to go for funding themselves so um or you know maybe they haven't qualified for it for whatever reason uh, so they've they've just taken that into their own hands and I think that has really interested me like as an artist how can you market either the actual physical things that you make or how can you market a certain type of skill you've got so you know video artists can go into editing and the same for music people I don't know like writers can help people with interpretation or what we were saying before about like writing bids, bid writers, um, artists can go into more, I don't know, graphic design type stuff or like logos and all the, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, my brain is failing me at this point, deep into the conversation. So that's what I think, like, I like the idea of all these different elements feeding into the practice you already make, like, it can't not because... I know that whenever I've had a job, whether, um, whenever I've had a job, whenever I, whatever job I've had, I mean, has always fed into my artistic practice. So, uh, and, and I considered the white pupil my artistic practice at this point. So there was a job I had a few years ago where I was working for Samaritans, uh, the mental health charity, and I ended up writing quite a lot of contracts and that really helped me with the white pube. Like, I started to write contracts that I would propose to institutions. Like, can we be critics in residence? Here, here's a memorandum of understanding that I've written. And I, it's the type of thinking that I wouldn't have been able to get to without this other influence and job uh, being able to push me there. And then when it comes to more public-facing stuff, like with the gallery... um can you attach a commercial entity or activity on the side of what you're doing in order to fund it so that it's commercially viable and you're not relying on public funding in order to make that happen and that's that's the research I want to do for the gallery because um I don't I don't know if I want to have to rely on going for arts council applications all the time I want to because of what you mentioned earlier of um you know you don't always know what you want to do with it and with project grants often people will say okay 
this is the project timeline this is exactly what I'm gonna do if you give me this money and then a pandemic happens and you realize you want to do something else with it but you're like locked in and it isn't quite relevant anymore and you're like flogging a dead horse and that's the situation I'm in now with the gallery it's not that I don't want to do it it's that we can't do the exhibitions that we had planned to do so I'm in conversation with all of the artists now of like ways around that and I'm locked into this funding application that requires an evaluation and an interim report and all this different stuff and I wish that I just had enough money from like some commercial venture to be like okay let's completely change it let's just be bigger and louder and um not so precious about the outcomes I think that doesn't have to be commercial that could be the arts council that's saying that to you that's the the arts council saying Gabrielle bloody amazing what you've done in that space over the last three years we trust you that you're going to work on this here here's another three years keep this keep this going I mean it might be that you don't want to do a gallery company but that that kind of responding and that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the conversation about where there's a practice obviously people have got to be supported to get to that point that they kind of have something and it's not about not keeping on our toes either last thing I want to do is be told oh just keep doing that for another you know how much longer have I got another 20 years like just keep doing the same thing oh my god you know I never do the same thing twice it's not about that but it's about you know like believing trusting in that energy and that commitment yeah and I make mistakes because like something's really if we cut it would be a bit awful if we always have to make everything work that's where I want people to come and see the work because not everything does exactly and I think that is partly why I am also excited about the successful funding application library on the website because people have started to attach evaluations when they submit things so you can kind of see the before and after you can see this kind of like elasticity in in the whole process of like applying to do this thing um I just wish that it was already accommodated for I wish that you know yeah I wish for exactly what you were describing can I say a wish now I wish that when you wrote one of those evaluations to the arts council they replied and said what they thought because you write it and you always think I wonder if everyone really reads this like I'd actually quite like to know what you think same there's no that's what I mean about conversation there's no conversation and and they probably say we haven't got time well then well then don't even ask us just give us do you know what I've been applying for so I applied for 12,000 11.9 and then 34,000 from the arts council to run the gallery um and that was you know that was the arts council part of it and then there was match funding on top from um all the different little partners that I'd roped in and I met with the arts council with a relationship manager just you know the month before I applied who said this is a great application um you know this is really what Liverpool needs because it was a gallery that would only work um exclusively with people from or based in Merseyside I've not heard from them since this whole time right and then when I submitted the application for the 34,000 they sent there was a few notes in the acceptance letter that mentioned something about putting a little bit more towards the marketing which I'd not seen in any of the others up until now but it was so helpful so I could just move things around I you know worked with the blue coat print studio to create like 
tote bags I worked with a designer to make branding for the gallery we got all these poster templates made I printed 5,000 leaflets off which now are sitting in the gallery and completely useless because of the pandemic <laughs> I really regret doing it but it was helpful at the time and I can't believe that I've also then just submitted an interim report about okay this is everything that's gone on so far. This is what we were able to do. And now we're going to have to shift things. And I've not heard anything. And it it amazes me because I also think what are the implications for evaluations in that sense where people can say what they want. They There's no kind of like someone checking your homework. There are no critics to make sure that you did this, you know, really woke social value point cultural capital project that you were like, claiming you were going to do people can hold back on sharing any critique that they were given on the project because they can put whatever they want in the evaluation and it just that process doesn't quite make sense to me that could be a whole other podcast in itself (laughs) but yes it is a curious one because actually to be able to have a conversation that really again helps to take drive the work and develop the work and I just yeah it's interesting to do it but maybe if they were relationship managers were more visible and arts council staff were more visible and there were offices in all of these different places that would that would be happening anyway it's just not happening because everyone is so far away and they're not going to bother to email you I think this like this comes down to like both of you have mentioned separately this kind of need for the or, or want for the Arts Council to be, like, way more localised. And in that localisation, like, you know, relationships are two ways, not just unilateral from, like, funder downwards. Then they're, they're telling you what to do once and then kind of disappearing like some actual Wizard of Oz. Like, the idea that the Arts Council could be populated by people who care about giving out money for the arts. That You'd think they'd do that, but, like, there are these little, little bits in the bureaucratisation of arts funding, like however that happened historically um and like in terms of leadership how that all generally works it it feels like there are a little few little tweaks that could make it more personable which is interesting because I think I thought that already and now I know that I was right (laughs) (laughs) that I always visualized where there was a a really interesting artist Lee Milne who worked as an arts council officer for a while when we were first applying for money in Archway at the beginning of the project she used to trundle up the hill no one came to Archway to see art Um, really really they didn't and I remember one particularly rainy night it was a small little event and she came she was there she was on a bicycle and all her waterproofs and she was just like another person there and we had a chat and she saw everything that worked and didn't work about that piece and we were just I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a personal interest. I don't think so. I think she used to go and see a lot of work, probably on her own time, probably wasn't supportive. But that kind of different way of, of yeah, being in conversation with the actual thing rather than with a form, it's got to be important, hasn't it? I think there are probably lots of people who want to. Hmm. Yeah, it would be so nice for artists to not have to rely on, you know, podcasts like this made by people who don't work for funding bodies to explain things when you know in another world they could just drop into the office and have a chat it'd be so much nicer and the access support I think would be even better than it is now 
in in those instances but anyway gonna wrap it up there thank you so much for sharing this information with us and thank you to our listeners and i hope it's been really helpful if you want to check out the successful funding library uh it's everything's on our website at uh, just the forward slash funding library if you want to check out the hour collective on instagram uh, you'll be able to see options for coaching that might enhance your duicp application and air studio uh, has a website too where you can see all of anna's projects uh, over the over how many years has it been how many years have you been doing air for oh sort of approximately 14 wow okay amazing uh Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.